Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Today on the show, my guest is Ms. Sonia Punjabi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Now, second reason why this is special because we're hosting this in Illuminations Dubai, which is a one-of-its-kind special holistic health and wellness center. Now, these guys do so many things. Like they do courses, they have like a healing center, they train people. You can come in and do one of their hundreds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was fantastic to see that in a place like Dubai and UAE, holistic health is picking eyes are on the forefront of it. And Sonia is the one who started all this. So welcome on the show, Sonia. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. So let's um, rewind for a bit. Everyone's got a story. Right. And, you know, accomplishing something as great as you have over here should have some story. So tell me your story. Well, thank you so much for the compliment. So my story goes back a long way. Um, when I was actually 19 years old, a really close friend of mine had passed away in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and from that experience, I went through a bit of an existential crisis, questioning everything in life. Like, you know, who are we? Why are we here? What is the purpose of our lives? If everything can be taken away from us so easily. And my friend had anything that one would want in life. And suddenly within seconds, you know, things can be taken away from you. And then you start to wonder, why do we worry? Why do we stress when we don't know when our last moment is going to be. And that kind of hit me. I was a bit like, I was around 19 years old. I was always really interested in holistic healing and spirituality and miracles and how the universe works, but I hadn't really had an experience to awaken me. And I think that experience led me through a bit of an existential crisis. I then wanted to like search for answers. A friend of mine had uh, given me a book called um, Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Brian Weiss because I was struggling so much Uh, to come to terms with my friend's death and you know that got me really curious because in the book I was introduced to concepts like what happens to us when we die what happens to the soul um, you know about reincarnation about past lives about the mind and the power of the mind and so that led me on a journey of spirituality where I started to like read a lot I started to research and um, and when I went back um, to India on a holiday, because that's where we're from, and I thought that India is a land of spirituality and mysticism, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's someone who can help me learn more and help me find answers to all the questions that I had after reading that book. And so I, you know, I, I did a lot of research. I went online and I found a clinical hypnotherapist. His name is um, Yuvraj Kapadia. And I called him up and I met him for half an hour. And everything that he told me completely blew my mind. You know, it's like... When you're ready for what you need to be ready for, like the universe mm-hmm. provides you with the right teachers, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And for me, that happened at a very young age. And that got me on a journey of healing. You know, it was everything from understanding how our mind works, how we create everything in our lives, what is energy, that we are so much more beyond than what we can hear, see, taste, touch, and smell. And that there's an entire world that's happening um, like around us and how we are actually creating our lives with our thoughts, our words, our actions, our reactions, our perceptions. And if we have created anything in our life, we have the power to uncreate it and create the life that we want. 
So I was like, all right, now that I have all this information, and I was so inspired by just that half an hour conversation, I went on a journey of firstly healing myself. I went back and really understood all the perceptions, the beliefs, you know, the experiences that shaped me to be where I was at in my life. And obviously, we're all struggling with certain issues. And I wanted to understand why I really manifested those issues in my life, because now I understood that I created it. And when you understand, like, you know, it's not about why is this happening to me? It's, it's more about what is it that it's trying to teach me? You then end up taking complete responsibility for your life. And for me, I was introduced to the power of the subconscious mind, how we change our lives through manifesting, through learning about uh, like energy healing, working with our inner children, um, learning about how we can silence the mental chatter and the self-talk, which is so many of the times it's negative. Uh, you know, I learned about how you can just calm your mind down, how you can access higher energies, how you can apply higher wisdom in your everyday life. And I did every single healing course. I did every single workshop. I, you know, went through my own therapy journey. And then I realized that why doesn't everyone not know about this? And when I spoke to my friends and family, I think initially they thought I was a bit crazy. Because remember, this was way back in 2006 and things like mindfulness, meditation, healing, spirituality weren't as common as they are today as we earlier um, like discussed. And so um, when I moved back to the UAE in 2006, I, you know, I really, uh, you know, I made a promise to myself on the flight back. And I said, I've gained so much wisdom, so much value mm -hmm. that I want to continue this. I don't want to forget about it because, you know, we're creatures of habit. We get really inspired and then life happens. It's your everyday life routine. And then you tend to forget about things. You tend to just go back into your rut and just, you know, not really think about things. So I made a promise to myself, a commitment that I would continue my healing journey and make sure that this is something I would really try to apply for the rest of my life. But when I came back to Dubai, I tried to research, you know, uh, you know, uh, things like meditation and holistic healing and wellness, because I kind of wanted to really interact with like-minded people who were reading the same books, who I could share and learn from. And I literally found nothing. And I was like, wait a second, you know, here in Dubai, we have everything. Consumerism has reached its peak. We have everything in life, but yet people are not really redirecting and looking inwards to questioning who they are, why are they here, like what is the purpose of their lives, and is what is what I have around me really making me happy? And I think it doesn't call for a complete change, but just more of an introspection, a reflection, to maybe look into yourself and realize that if something in your life is not working, it usually is the answer lies within yourself. You know, so many of the times when life doesn't work out for us, we're looking to seek from the outside. So either we think, okay, if we have more money, or if we look better, or if we have a better job, or if we had a relationship that made us happier, there's always more to want on the outside world. But rarely were people actually looking inside, realizing that no matter how much we have on the outside, one thing we know is that what we have on the outside can only give us temporary inspiration and happiness. Right at the end of the day, we have to start looking within, and we can see this prevailing all throughout. You know, it could be with celebrities, and we see that no matter how much they have, even they're not that happy. Mm -hmm. So, clearly, that's not the answer. And so, I came back here to Dubai in 2006, and I decided to bring all the teachers that I learned from here to the UAE because I was talking about it with friends and family. And I think inherently, each one of us is wants to live a happier, healthier, and more purposeful life. And I just basically tapped into that need that people always have and when I spoke about it with friends and family they were so intrigued and when I brought down my healers and teachers from India all my courses were full 
I organize private healing therapy sessions. And this was completely on a voluntary basis. You know, it's because I gained so much value from them. I also want to, I also wanted to help them and I wanted to spread their work. And so that's how I came and I came into this whole wellness space here in Dubai. And organically we grew because every time they'd come down um, yeah, from India every couple of months, uh, you know, I mean, like the awareness grew. We'd have more and more people come in. I, you know, like in one room I'd have like 45 people. And this is prior to social media as well. Yeah. This was completely just word of mouth, right? And, uh, and so that's how I basically fell into the space. And then my teachers encouraged me. They're like, you're so amazing at organizing events. and you're so inspiring and you're so passionate about it. Why don't you make this a career? But I'm, and then my parents were like, how can you make this a career? You know, because mm-hmm. I had an education from London and I was, uh, you know, and it was, it was not exactly into wellness. And so my parents were like, you know, we spent so much money on your education and now you're going to learn and work with quacks. My father yeah. said, he said, what are you trying to do? So my parents weren't as supportive initially, but I think later on, once they realized how happy it made me, I think they were just like, you know, kind of witnessing from the background, like all that was happening. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that, okay, one day I'm going to create like a holistic events organization uh, where I was going to organize healing and spiritual events. And I I was one day in the shower and I said, okay, I have to call this initiative something. And it just came to me. I said, I'm going to call it um, Illuminations. And Illuminations was born in the shower. (laughs) And, uh, And I said, you know, and then it's, you know, it's, it's like when you're meant to, you know, when you have a path or you have a calling, like, Everything in life works towards helping you to achieve that. Um, because I was doing it completely from my heart. My goal was to spread awareness on the power of the self, the mind, and the consciousness because the awareness was not very prevalent over here. Um, and remember, this was the GCC, the Middle East. Um, you know, people had no awareness on meditation. Uh, like a lot of people, um, like initially thought it was against their religion. Uh, so I had to face a lot of that initially. But I think at the end of the day, people realized that this kind of work is was non-judgmental, non-biased. It was completely neutral. And in fact, it brought you closer to your own faith. Because in so many ways, like you are your own God. Like you have that God residing within yourself or you have that universe residing within you. And when you tap into that, I think a whole new world opens up. And I think a lot of people realize that they were a lot more empathetic. They were a lot more compassionate. They were a lot more aware. And that is exactly what all our religions kind of teach us in not so many ways. So for me, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of alignment that was happening. And then I'd have random uh, healers and speakers and facilitators contact me from all around the world and say, you know, I heard you organize these events. And I had no idea where they got my numbers. It was like, it was really like word of mouth that spread. We didn't have the Instagram and your reels and your social media as you had today. Uh, so it was literally just word of mouth. And people contacted me. I'd organize events for them. I'd experience their work. So I was learning so much as an individual myself because I get to experience all these healing therapies, uh, new modalities, you know. But, but, the, but the whole goal was to help you transform the way you think, the way you feel, the way you behave, the way you act. So it could be through energy healing. It could be through hypnosis. It could be through mind sciences. It could be through spiritual healing. All of these modalities were like introduced to me very organically and I got to learn so much from them. And then we grew to one space and then I opened this GLT center in 2011 and I opened another branch in India. I opened a third branch in Murdoff. I opened one in Abu Dhabi recently. So the awareness grew and from just organizing events, we created a space where we do one-on-one therapy sessions. We offer healing and meditations. Uh, We have a training academy because what happened in 2012 my teachers were like, we can't keep coming here to mm-hmm. Dubai. You have to empower yourself and you should train to become a hypnotherapist and a coach and a wellness practitioner. 
And so I went to India. I learned to become a hypnotherapist coach and wellness practitioner. And I had my own private practice where I would see almost nine clients a day. And, uh, and from there, what we decided, like, you know, if we are to, you know, uh, spread more awareness, we have to create more healers and practitioners who would then go on to heal other people. And that's how the Illuminations Training Academy was born. So the Training Academy, the whole sole purpose of the Training Academy is to create and empower change makers. Now, change makers can be um, like anything from mind science practitioners to people who are into energy medicine, to people who are into spiritual healing, just a way to help people transform, you know, um, like their lives. And so the Training Academy was born. And from there on, uh, in 2014, we said, why not, you know, like, why not organize wellness retreats? I have, a, you know, like I have a passion for traveling. So I decided to mix my passion with my hobby and my work. So I decided that I'm going to organize wellness retreats all over the world because I was working so hard back then. I needed like an excuse to travel as well. And I said, you know, in order to travel, why not make it work and fun at the same time? Because I mean, that's what kind of life was all about. So I decided to organize wellness retreats in 2014. So since 2014 to 2019, we were organizing wellness retreats all over the world from Tanzania to Burma to Japan. To, you know, so it was an amazing experience where we got to explore the world, meet with, interact with so many like-minded individuals, and you know, it really expanded my own growth. So I always also wanted to f- focus on what makes me happy and what I really truly think would help other people as well. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, um, you know, we had so many clients, and a lot of our clients were like working professionals, and they're like, you know, I'm so stressed. I wish I could have this in my workspace. My colleagues need this. My boss needs to know about this. And that's how our corporate wellness space was born. So we organized a lot of corporate wellness events, uh, which not many people know about, but we organized about three to four wellness events with corporations every single month. So that's what we launched in 2012 as well. So now Illuminations, from being just a wellness space, we ended up becoming a wellness platform to create a movement of change, you know, a movement of personal evolution as a key to lasting happiness. And then obviously when COVID hit, that was, you know, that's been a huge accelerator because, you know, a lot of people realize that wellness is no longer luxury. It's a necessity for everybody, you know, and that people don't have control over what's going on around them, but they certainly have control over what's happening within them. And all we have to be responsible is for our mental health, our emotional well-being, uh, you know, our self-care, just to maintain ourselves, to be at our optimum, to, you know, to navigate ourselves through this chaos that is so unknown, you know? And one of the things that people have so much fear about and so much anxiety about is because they feel they can't control things. And here was a pandemic that was so unknown to every one of us. And because it was so unknown, it was so fearful because we didn't know when we're gonna get sick. We didn't know the impact it was gonna have on our health, on our lives, on our families, on our jobs, on so much that we held so much value towards, right? You know? Um, you know, like a lot of people, they define themselves by their job. They define themselves by their family. They define themselves by so many things outside of them. And suddenly there's a mass event that takes place and cuts you off from everything that you held so dearly to yourself. So I think all the suppression of emotions that we have had came to the surface. And that's why today wellness has probably, uh, you know, uh, created a change movement, you know, because people are now realizing that everything that they try to suppress through all the other um, like your distractions of life, it could be traveling, it could be shopping, it could be partying, it could be whatever it is, and that's no longer existing. And I think that's been a blessing in disguise in many ways, although it's been very hard, I think, for a lot of people. I think, in a, you know, like in a lot of ways, it's really tried to accelerate that change and, you know, 
lead people towards living in their light. And, and, and that's pretty much my journey in a nutshell. And um, yeah, it's been an eventful uh, last 12 years and there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of work to do. Um, you know, with COVID, we're launching an online platform. We're trying to expand into other areas of wellness as a lifestyle. Um, one of the things I'm really passionate about also is going back into ancient wisdom because all of the things that we're learning today, whether it's, you know, like whether it's like energy, whether it's sound, whether it's fasting, whether it's lifestyle, all of this was previously rooted way back in ancient times, you know, and it's been lost throughout the years. So, in, you, know, in, you know, in so many ancient civilizations and cultures, you know, there's so much wisdom that can be extracted to help us navigate ourselves through how to live a more happier, healthier and more purposeful life in the modern world, how to help us manage our stress, how to live at our optimum. You know, and I think that one of the most important things is that healing is an intelligent choice for those people who wish to make their inner peace a priority, because all you have control over is what you, you know, what's happening inside of you. So, you know, like a lot of people have this misconception that I only need to come to heal if something is wrong in my life. That's actually not true. A lot of people are facing an imbalance or a struggle. And I think it's just about finding that inner peace, you know, and by knowing yourself, because the more you know, the more you can do, uh, you know, better for yourself and for the rest of the world. And so I think that's our, you know, main goal at the end of the day. Wow, you've come a very long way from where you started going through all of these experiences. It, while you're navigating the story for us, I'm already feeling the chills, you know, thinking like how we've attended so many things. Now, you have a quote on the wall that says, if for those of you who can't see it, it's on the wall over here, and I'll read it to you. Life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. Now, do you think all of us are destined to have a certain role in life? Now, when you were looking back at your story, do you think that you were destined, in a way or the other, to be this teacher, healer, um, you know, bringing this community of people together, healing so many people and teaching so many people. You, and you've studied a lot of ancient things. So right. have you ever looked at any information that has pointed you into that same direction that you are living your life's purpose or something like this was predestined for you? Right. I think, you know, we're all born with the soul blueprint. You know, it's in our DNA of who we are, what we're going to become. And what we're meant to contribute on this earth in this lifetime, you know? Mm -hmm. But what happens, I think, from the day we're born, you know, that awareness is very, very clear. We know exactly who we are. That's why as a child, we're so eager to move around, put everything in our mouth. We're, we're eager to get on the experience of life, right? But what happens after the age of two, based on your environment, based on your upbringing, based on your parental beliefs, based on everything that's around you, okay? you tend to get absorbed by everything around you. And a lot of people were not born in very supportive environments or one way or the other, they perceive their environment to be harmful, okay? So what ends up happening between the ages of two to eight, you acquire all your beliefs about life, you know, about love, about work, about family, okay? And these beliefs get ingrained in your subconscious mind, all right? So now what happens is if those beliefs are not in alignment with your soul purpose, by the time you're at the age of eight, you have so much noise around you, okay, which has been 
like influenced by everything around you. And then we tend to forget that voice. We tend to forget that blueprint, right? And then we move on through life with all our fears, all our limitations, all our worries, till one day an incident. It could be, you know, for me, it happened at the age of 19. It could be a divorce. It could be a death. It could be something that triggers us, you know, to wake us up from the slumber that we were all experiencing. And that slumber will be very hard for you. You know, it'll slap you in the face and it'll make you question everything in your life. And when you get to that dark point where you realize, why is this happening to me? You know, it's like in the darkest of the night, there's a light that kind of comes through. And that is that point where you have those opportunities. And there are windows of opportunities where you can start to reflect and question, you know, why do I think the way I do? Is this the way I really think? Or is this because of an experience in your past? If you've been through abuse, if you've been through neglect, if you've been through trauma, right? You're holding on to all of that trauma. So you've lost that voice. You've lost that blueprint. You've lost the awareness of that blueprint. So I think the whole journey of healing is to kind of silence out that noise, to heal and realize that you are not all of those experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, who were you before those experiences from the day you were born? And that's precisely the point of healing. That's why people come into healing, to clear the noise, to silence the mind, and then the intuition starts to speak. Your intuition or that gut healing is connected, you know, to your higher self, your blueprint. And once you start connecting to that intuition, things start to kind of come into place because you're no longer really operating from that void or that fear, right? Because you've kind of realized that this experience happened because it was meant to happen, but it's not who you are. Your experiences are not who you are. It's like when you go to the airport and you show the immigration officer your passport, are you your passport? You're not your passport. Your passport is simply a collection of experiences based on everything that you've been through and where you've traveled through, but it's not really you. In the same manner, if we start to create the wisdom to realize that whatever happened to us at three years old or in grade one, when everybody laughed at us, when our parents, you know, slapped us or when, you know, whatever happened in the past, you know, we tend to hold on to those experiences, right? And then we tend to say, okay, I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm like this. And these experiences is then what ends up manifesting the dark periods in your life. But there is an intuition and an inner calling that's meant to wake you up. And unfortunately, human beings, they don't wake up when you tap them. They don't wake up when you hit them. They don't wake up when you slap them. And then suddenly when you cut them, they're like, ouch, this hurts. And then they start to question, you know, everything in their life. And that question is very good. And so when it says life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for your soul, it's true because only sometimes, unfortunately, in pain, pain becomes a vehicle to growth, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes pain becomes that catalyst where we question life because nobody questions life when they wake up every morning. Why am I so good looking today? Why am I so successful today? We get caught up in the distraction of the external, right? Because in our childhood, we were very taught to be happy. We were taught that we have to get a job because we have to make money because we have to be successful because the world will love us more, Mm -hmm. right? So when you don't love yourself enough or when you've not been taught to love yourself, what ends up happening is you start to look from the outside to get love. So your way to look good, you know, to be fit sometimes, to look better, uh, to, you know, to run after things outside of you, you do it so unconsciously because you've been taught that that's what's going to make you happy. It's validation. Yeah, exactly. You need validation from the outside world because we are in a world which teaches us the more you have from the outside, the more valuable you are. And we all want to feel valuable. We all want to feel like we have, you know, we, you know, like life loves us so much. But the purpose of that, you know, we all understand 
is that we haven't learned to really figure out what's happening within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And pain helps us realize that even when we have all those things, we're still not happy. So now where do we look? And that's when we start to look within and realize the answer is not outside. Of course, those things are amazing. You know, uh, we all want to live, you know, uh, the best version of ourselves. And, but it needs to be coming from a place of love and passion, not from a place of fear and void. So mm-hmm. whenever you're trying to have a check-in with yourself or, you know, if you're aspiring for a new career or if you're like, or if you have a desire for something, you've got to really check in. Is this coming from a space of fear or is this coming from, from a place of love? Mm-hmm. Because if it's coming from a place of love, regardless of what happens, I'll still be okay. If yeah. it's coming from a place of fear, if this doesn't happen, I will be nothing. So you have to check in with yourself constantly. And I think that's when healing uh, practices like meditation, self-reflection, reading a book, uh, taking care of yourself, uh, spending time with nature, because it brings you closer to your soul. Mm-hmm. So when you take care of things that bring you closer to your soul, this intuition speaks louder and this intuition is connected with your blueprint in life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is what we basically are. I mean, here's the end goal, right? Yeah. So we believe that everything in life begins with a thought, right? Every thought generates an emotion that you feel. Every emotion will influence your energy levels and manifest in the body and in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about really understanding the thought processes that drive your experiences in life. And what are your thoughts influenced by? Your thoughts are influenced Social by media. your beliefs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- today, your thoughts are influenced by your beliefs, which are coming from your experiences, yeah. right? So when you can start to have a relook at your experiences that have shaped the way you are, you can change your beliefs, you can change your thoughts, and that's how pretty much you can change your life. And, and whatever we offer at Illuminations helps to work on changing your thoughts, changing your emotions, changing your energy, and changing what's happening in your body. I asked this question because um, about a few months ago, I was in Ukraine, and I went to this um, very ancient uh, Russian healing practice, and they did a scan of my aura. And in that, those guys did not speak English. And they gave me a 25-page report that I was meant to go through, but all in Russian. So I had one of my Russian friends translate it for me about a month ago. And most of the information that was reflected on those 25 pages were nine times out of 10, it was about me, right? And these guys didn't know me. They just did a scan. They asked me a few questions, and then I, I get a computerized report. In that report, it says that my whole purpose of coming into this world, and I'm just sharing my story because I don't know anyone else's, is because I'm here to teach other people. Everything that life will show me, it will have to be reflected onto other people's consciousness, awareness, you know, their mind, and I will be a platform for that. And when I understood that, I was already, I already had a podcast, I was already writing articles, I was already recording videos, explaining things. I was like, huh. This makes sense. And then recently I did a tarot card reading and this person was, um, she, I got her reference through someone and they said she's really good. And the first thing she looks at me, she opens my card without even me asking her something. It's like, are you a teacher? And I'm like, no. It's like, why aren't you one then? Because right now I can look at your cards, not even knowing who you are. And I know that you're destined for teaching. This is why I asked you that question. So if people are destined for a few things in their life, is there any way we can kind of find that out much earlier rather than, you know, just because tapping into intuition could take some time. 
getting to that realization point can get some time or take some time. But with things like this, have you found out other practices or, you know, some kind of a reading or like some kind of a thing which can biohack or kind of like accelerate that process so people might not have to go through that pain? It's something so simple and something so profound and something not as easy to do as we think it is. But the answer lies in meditation. There is an author by the name of Michael A. Singer, and he writes this book called The Untethered Soul. I recommend that everybody who's watching this must Take read everyone. that book. You know, The Untethered Soul is a book that came in my life just three to four years ago. But it has transformed my approach to meditation and working on your intuition. You can do all the healing therapies in the world, okay? And it's very valuable, of course. But after a only so much you can dig up into me because you today are a collection of experiences not in just this lifetime but in many previous lifetimes right and so if you go back and spend your entire life redigging into the past uh, of course there are main key points that you must reflect on but if you keep doing that constantly you're simply regressing back into a story uh, or a drama mm -hmm. what's more important is how you feel today and how you feel in here like um like um, in the here and the now. So with Michael Singer, what he talks about is nobody knows yourself more than you. Mm -hmm. No tarot reader in the world, no spiritual guru in the world mm -hmm. has, but you know, people don't realize that because I think so many of the times we think that this author is going to change your life. They might be catalysts, of course. Yeah. People might guide you or nudge you in the direction that you need to go. But one of the most profound practices is meditation. And why do I say meditation? Is because you have a mental chatter that's playing in the background of voice, you know, and what, and what he calls it in the book is a roommate in your head that doesn't shut up. It just tells you, it comments on everything. It judges everything, right? It perceives everything. It's a mental chatter that goes on in the background. The moment you look at a person, the moment you walk in the room, and that mental chatter is coming from your conditioning on your childhood of what you've been taught. So the more you think and more you perceive a person in a certain way, the more you tend to attract exactly the same experience because you are looking at your life from that window. Mm -hmm. So what Michael Singer says is that you can never silence that chatter. All you need to do is start to find a way to realize that you are not that voice because that voice is coming from your childhood. The voice is coming from that fear. The voice is coming from judgment. The voice is coming from limitation. But once you start to focus and remain silent in your inner space, what you can do is you drown out the sounds of that voice. And when you drown out the sounds in your um, like of that voice to practice, there's a stillness that comes in. When you have that space of being still, and I've experienced this, there's, a, there's another voice that appears. And that voice is the voice of your intuition. And you directly know the difference between the two. And that voice, the moment you connect to that energy, automatically you start to have that clarity about where you need to go. So most people think it's about going to somebody else. Yes, we, you know, there's a lot of value in I mean, like in the fact that we also agree that everything in the universe is energy, right? Mm -hmm. For example, you have your subconscious mind, okay? Everything in the subconscious, there's no past, present, and future, okay? It's only in this reality that time is moving linear. So you see yesterday as a past, yeah. today as the present, tomorrow as the future. But in the subconscious mind and within your energy space, everything is happening in the here and the now. Which is why when you walk into a room and you pick up that tarot card, you know, the tarot card reader can predict the energy of a parallel possibility because for the soul, everything is happening in the here and the now. 
So there's a potential parallel possibility that you can become a healer and a teacher if you take certain steps towards that. But the steps that you need to take can only be possible when you silence that voice. Mm -hmm. Now, when that voice is too hard to silence, that's when you go into healing and uh, therapy. Because sometimes when you face a lot of trauma or a lot of abuse or a lot of uh, negative emotions in your childhood, no matter how hard you try, the noise just keeps getting louder and louder. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can use meditation as a daily practice to be able to silence that voice. And that's the best way to guide you to where you need to go. It'll just happen. Like for me, it happened very organically because I had done so much of my own work that I ended up manifesting the right teachers. I ended up having the idea. You know, it's like they say, you can, you know, you can work so hard on a project. And the moment you leave that project and go and just relax and listen to music, you'll get that inspiration. Where does that inspiration come from? That inspiration is being channeled from your higher self or from your, you know, from that intuition. You'll always see that whether it's like Albert Einstein, all of the genius thoughts and ideas that he came up with was not when he was actually doing the work, when he was doing something completely else. Because you're channeling that inspiration and then suddenly you'll have the idea to make a call to a friend. You'll walk into a mall and you'll meet a friend because that is the energy that's going to create that power. Like we say that everything is energy. E equals MC squared, right? If I break you down, what will I get? I will get protons, neutrons, and electrons vibrating at a certain frequency to make you look like you, right? So all of us are like energies which are operating at a certain frequency, a certain vibration. Many of the times that vibration is based on fear, right? Once we start to raise our vibration, the energy of that vibration within your space will manifest a new reality, right? So for example, as we start to work on ourselves through self-care practices, through spending time with nature, through meditation, we're raising that vibration into a vibration of love. And that vibration opens a door to a new reality or a new destiny. And that's kind of pretty much how it happens. So it is a journey for sure, but it can be a choice that you can make today. Or it can be a choice which you know, because a lot of people, they, you know, it's exactly if you want to be the best swimmer in the world or if you mm -hmm. want to be the best musician, you've got to practice. Yeah. Right? But for spirituality, people think that it's just supposed to happen. And that's why people now are so focused so on... the 10,000 rule, 10,000 hour rule applies in spirituality as well. Like 100%. You have okay. to find some time in your day. And everyone's uh, practice is different. Some people can, you know, so they find um, like a value through journaling. Some people find it through meditation. Other people find it walking on the beach in the morning. Yeah. Uh, like jogging by the sun, uh, you know, spending a few minutes with a child. Anything that basically helps you to kind of calm down, relax, and not be so tight and stressed within yourself, automatically you start so to fearful. flow. Exactly. So then, and, and that's how you change your vibration, and that's how you change your frequency, that's how you change your destiny. It's interesting that we always come around, you know, we're talking about so many things, and one of the things that keeps coming in is fear. And like you said, you can experience life through different lenses, and you're correct when you are from zero to two, most of the Things that are going on with your neighbors, your aunts, the way your parents are talking to each other, where the parents are talking to you, what you're seeing on TV, all gets collected in this pool of mind, which is a subconscious mind, right? And when you analyze the subconscious mind, it is basically you're mostly using your active conscious mind most of the times, but 90% of the neural activity is actually going on in subconscious exactly. mind. And it's also interesting when you bring up fear, because our bodies, are designed, at least our senses, 
five cents and you can there are so many senses that we haven't discovered yet but at least our five senses have been designed to give us 11 million bits of information per second right. now this 11 million bits is way too much for the brain to handle so it also goes through an order of elimination. So it goes in the order of importance. And the way we've evolved is that there are few things that you have to do as an organism to survive, as a species to survive. You've got to run away from things that are bigger and more scarier. That's fear. Fight or flight. Yeah, fight or flight. You have to eat everything that you could. Otherwise, you're going to starve and you're going to die then you need to reproduce because you have to send that biological signals that you're still kind of you know, many useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last one is you have to bring in, you have to be in a community because people who are lonely, they die faster than people who are living in communities. Right. And one of the things capitalizing on that fear part or fight or flight is if you had to survive, you need it to get, and our brain, if you dissect it, has got different, like, um, different parts of the brain which are responsible for different things. Okay. When you dissect the brain, the first information that the brain needs to receive is if a situation is fearful or not. And that is in a certain part of our brain called the amygdala, which is also responsible for the emotions of our brain. Fear is an emotion. So when you have 11 million bits coming in, and then your brain can only take in 11 bits or nine bits, I'm sorry, nine bits. They've done some studies in the University of Berkeley that shows nine bits of information gets processed. It gets to the amygdala first. So what I'm trying to say is for every thought or for every, you walk into a room, you are designed, your biology is designed to look at something that is gonna hurt you first, because if that's the way it gets transferred. And then you go from the brainstem, from the higher centers of your brain, like the medial prefrontal cortex or the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for more of your logical thinking. And once you bypass this filter, and some studies have also shown that for every information that you see, nine times out of 10, you're gonna see like something negative in it. And only one time, like nine out of 10, so once you will see something positive. And I think that is also very important for people to realize because when you look at something and you're fearful or you're like, you know, you get scared or some other emotions like anger comes in. We have to realize that nature designed us to be this way just to survive. And it's interesting that you say that meditation could be one of the ways to bypass Bypass this filtration. Now, for someone who's listening to this show and they want to check, they haven't probably meditated yet. A lot of people are scared of meditation because they cannot sit still with themselves. So what's the minimum effective dose of meditation? Uh, it can be even a few minutes in the day, right? Okay. So, for example, uh, you know, a lot of people would have heard about the mindfulness practice, right? Mm-hmm. So, the mindfulness practice is simply uh, focusing on your breath because your breath is directly connected with your mind, you know, mm-hmm. and your brain. So, what happens is to lower the because that you know that constant mental chatter or the information that you talk about, you know, that's constantly like playing in the background and creating an overdose of information. And then what we teach at hypnotherapy is that the conscious mind gives control to this subconscious when the information gets too much. And then you're operating out of a fight-flight mechanism. Mm. So what we, you know, what we train our students to basically focus on is even a few minutes of focusing on your breath, okay? And then paying attention to where your mind is wandering. So most people think that they're supposed to stop their thoughts, but that's actually not true. 
what you're supposed to do is witness them. You're supposed to witness them and write them down, right? Because everywhere your mind is not making you in the present is where your mind is telling you where you need to pay attention to. So let's just say I'm silent over here. I'm trying to focus on my breath and I breathe in and out, breathe in five breaths, breathe out five breaths. And then start, and I start to repeat this practice for a few moments. And then suddenly my mind is wandering to my relationship. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I can do is then again, be like, okay, pay attention and then repeat to myself present. It's like a little child that runs away Yeah. because the mind will give you a thousand reasons not to be in the present. Mm -hmm. But as you start to, you know, really witness to where the thoughts are taking you. And when you come out of the practice after a few minutes, write it down. Right? Because then you're realizing the mind is providing you with feedback, with information mm -hmm. about the areas of your life that are not present. And when you take off the pressure of remaining silent in the present moment, suddenly you can do this. You can start to increase your practice. So from one minute, you can go to three minutes. From three minutes, you can go to five minutes. It's like running on the treadmill and you mm -hmm. want to beat your challenge. In the same way, you can complete this practice. Mm -hmm. And another way to help you like ground is because the mind has to always think of what's going to happen. Because it keeps you in control, right? Because you yeah. want to be in control. And one of the deepest fears we all have is losing control. So when you're in a stressful environment uh, and you're focusing on a million things, what you can do is practice a grounding exercise because grounding exercise helps you to focus and channelize your thoughts in the present moment. So you look around and you can say, five things I can see, okay? Mm -hmm. Four things I can touch, okay. okay? Three things I can smell, two things I can uh, hear. One thing I can taste. And that automatically, if you continue this practice, it's a very simple and quick grounding exercise that kind of can help you bring you back in the present moment. But like I said, why is healing and uh, therapy also so important? Because regardless of sometimes, you know, no software has the ability to detect its own virus, you know, and mm -hmm. the human mind is like that as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if the mind has created the virus, to overcome the virus itself can be a little bit challenging. Yeah. And that's why when you know, a person has gone through extreme pain, trauma, we recommend a mental health um, um, like intervention. It could be uh, psychology, psychotherapy combined with hypnosis. We provide like an integrated approach where yeah. we combine um, like holistic health practices, which is energy medicines, spiritual healing, transpersonal psychology, uh, because we feel that your thoughts and your emotions and your energies are in many different areas. Yeah. And we want to work on all those areas in order to bring you back into integrity, back into balance. Right. So I think that is extremely important for people who are really wanting to meditate but can't seem to find the time to meditate. They should definitely seek help because like everything in life, you need a coach. Yeah. Right? What about applications? Because these days you have a lot of these applications that can lure you into either playing binaural beats in your sure, ears. Sure, like Calm and Headspace. Yeah. And of course, they're extremely, extremely um, like valuable. I personally am a bit old school. So I find the actual experience of meeting with a teacher or actually experiencing the spirituality, I feel is something that needs to be experienced, initially at least, mm -hmm. uh, in person. This is my personal experience. Okay. But I could be totally, I know a lot of people, they think uh, differently, but I think having that guide, yeah. having that teacher, having that group, Having that experience. Well, you also build so up. Intimate, on, you know? also build up on other people's energies, right? 100%. And like you mentioned, you mentioned earlier that sometimes you're just, um, you know, you're looking at a problem and you're trying to solve it, and then it doesn't happen at the moment, and then you're taking a shower and it comes in. Exactly. And this also happens because it's once like you're, aha moment. Yeah, yeah. And there is a way you can hack into it. It's called the MacGyver method, 
And basically what you do is you write down for anyone who's listening, if you want to access your subconscious mind to give you an answer to a problem that you've been kind of like confused with, here's what you do. Take out a pen and paper, write down your problem. Okay. You could, it could simply be like, Hey, what am I going to name my new business? Or when am I going to talk to the lawyer or something like this, things that you need to focus on and then write about it for about two to three minutes, just write whatever flows in and then forget, close the book, forget about it for about four to six hours. Go do something nice and easy, something stimulating, but not something like a CrossFit workout because that's going to just tire your brain out. What happens is your mind... Will and you actually have to write, not type have, it. No, not... Exactly, because I, writing is a separate... Yeah, I prefer, I prefer writing and in the research they've said, like, uh, you've got to write it. Yeah. And then forget about it go take a shower, do whatever, do something garden, like take your dog for a walk, do something lightly stimulating. And then after four or six hours, get back to the book and you don't have to write, start writing something about the problem, but just start writing something. Start writing something from five to 10 minutes and automatically your brain will give you at least some suggestions on what has has to happen or else you'll have that aha moment in the shower or you'll have something like this. And it's also interesting, like, you spoke about um, meditation and being silent. What I have seen in peak performance is that there is a minimum effective dose of 20 minutes because I've been meditating for a few years and I have meditated with a, um, not a spiritual master, but uh, someone who knew much more about meditation than me. I have meditated with different kinds of sounds. I have meditated with putting electrodes on my head and luring myself into alpha brainwave frequency and you know just using these apps so what i have found that for the first 10 minutes until and unless you have been meditating maybe for 40 years and you have that 40 years of zen thing it's very hard for people to lower their executive beta brainwave activity into more of alpha or even theta, like experienced masters will do it on command, you know, they'll right. tell you in a minute they'll be into alpha. But I also monitor, I have an 8 EEG scanning device and I also monitor my brainwave activity and how long it takes me to change my right. focus and attention. And it appears to be that for the first 10 minutes, if you're average, your brain is going to do a lot of chatter work, right? right? Even if you're in, if you, if you've experienced meditation for a few years, but the magic starts happening after 10 minutes when your brain already has got into this pattern recognition system of, okay, you know what? Now it's going to do all this chattering. And then slowly that chatter goes down. And that is when between minutes 10 to minute 20 is when you will find your brain really relaxing, going into that alpha brainwave activity. If you can do it more, it doesn't benefit much but for peak performance for athletes every time i recommend someone i tell them try to do at least 20 minutes because if you do like five it's good to do five minutes for mindfulness and for breath work it's brilliant because you can obviously put yourself into the the person i think is so useful because it clears out the mind before it's like it's like a pre-meditation practice what's your favorite type of breath work uh, I like the ultra nostril breathing or okay. just regular breathing. I also like breathing through the stomach. I find it's it's kind of what we do in rebirthing breath work. You mean like breathing into the diaphragm? Yeah, it's okay. it's it's basically the childlike breathing where you breathe through the stomach and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you breathe, and so the more you inhale, this 
stomach moves out and back in. Is there a ratio between the inhales and the exhales no, that no. we have to focus on? No, it's just what you can do is you can increase the speed. Uh, so, you know, like you can start slow. And the thing is, it's more effective when you close your eyes because it increases the oxygen in the body. Mm -hmm. And if you keep continuing the practice, it automatically makes your hands numb, your legs tingle. And it can put you in a very scary state because you're increasing the oxygen in your body and in your brain. And that can have a very, uh, it's like you have a high suddenly. Mm -hmm. But if you keep your eyes closed, um, like the energy remains in the body. The moment you open your eyes or your mouth, the energy automatically moves outside. And if you do this for 10 minutes, you'll find that it reaches the brain and suddenly your brain is completely cleared. You know, but okay. I would recommend initially if you start. Can you teach us how do we do it? Let, let me see. So you put your. Um, yeah. So you put basically uh, your hand. If you're driving, don't try this. But yeah, if I you're would, at home, you yeah. can. I mean, I would recommend initially if it's your first time that you do it with um, like you're the guidance of a practitioner. Yeah. But otherwise. I just want to get the idea. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. So you close your eyes yeah. and you take a deep breath. Okay. And as you inhale, you move out through the, your stomach moves out. So you do this. So you're inhaling, and with every inhale, your stomach moves up. Just like how a baby breathes. They breathe through their stomach. So I see we're not really changing the ratios here. But as it gets more intense, you can slow it down a little bit. But if you keep doing this for the next 20 minutes, you'll find suddenly your entire arms start to tingle, but you cannot open your eyes and you cannot open your mouth. And suddenly it reaches the brain and it silences your entire mind space and it clears your head because it kind of just, it's like a whole, it's like a, it's, it's like a wash or like a shower you have in the mind. And automatically you're able to not think of anything, just complete silence. It's actually a very beautiful practice, mm -hmm. but it's a very intense practice. I can imagine because yeah. a lot of people, um, when I was growing up, I've been told many times that, you know, you need to breathe in a lot of oxygen. You need to take deep breaths in yeah, yeah, and yeah. then keep those breaths inside. But what science tells us is actually now the opposite. Well, it appears to be that you can take in oxygen while deep, taking a deep breath in, but that is only 21% of the oxygen that you can take in from thin air. What the science now tells us is that if you have your exhales, if you time your exhales right, where your exhales have to be longer than your inhales, mm -hmm. you, and especially if you breathe from your nose, which is called um, nasal breathing, mm -hmm. you create a back pressure of carbon dioxide in your body. And carbon dioxide has been vilified as a bad guy in breathing for many years. Okay. But turns out that when you have a bit higher amount of carbon dioxide in your bloodstream, that is a signal to dissociate oxygen from hemoglobin. So hemoglobin in our red blood cells carries oxygen to our body. Okay. And as soon as you have a little bit of more carbon dioxide, they dump all that oxygen into the blood cells so it can uh, even move faster to your brain. So let's say you were doing this kind of breathing, but if you do a breathing where you're inhaling, let's say for three seconds, and then you exhale for like six seconds or eight seconds, and then you hold that breath, you will cause a discomfort and it will get you to the similar state that you mentioned your hands will start becoming numb because now you are experiencing more carbon dioxide, which you haven't been trained for. And your mind will also shut off all the chatter because A, you have more oxygen delivery and B, carbon dioxide availability in the brain also triggers something called as DMT. Yeah. So, yeah. 
you know, we've seen things like this in holotropic breathwork and a lot of these other breathwork protocols. Some of the Wim Hof guys, they teach things like this before you get into an ice bath. And that also will create an experience which, well, you can, everyone has a different way to define it. I've I've had a very intense experience. Yeah, so everyone has a different kind of experience, but um, it also happens in a lot of these uh, plant medicine practices. If you are in Peru or whatever, and you want to do ayahuasca or something, San Pedro or something like that, then there is a very specific breathwork protocol that gives you that, like, increases more of that DMT. And uh, yeah, I found this to be very interesting because when you look in nature, every mammal that breathes a lot or breathes fast. Nine times out of ten, their lifespan is less. But when you take the, when you take mammals like the naked mole rat, which lives underground and which has less availability of oxygen and more of carbon dioxide, lives up to fifteen times longer than all of his cousins. The bowhead whale can live up to two hundred fifty years. The, the turtle, I forget his name. They can live up to two hundred years just because they're breathing lesser than all of their cousins. Oh, wow. Yeah, so breathing more is good, but the quality of your breathing matters because let's say if you and me, if we're breathing, a healthy person would be breathing about 15 breaths per minute, 16 breaths per minute, but as soon as you have some kind of a disease or you have some kind of a problem running through your body, your breath rate increases from 15 all the way to 25 or 30. So you are taking in more blood. People who have cancer, they're taking 28 breaths per minute. That is, that is how big it is. And then you look at the ancient yogis. You look at spiritual masters. You see Tai Chi masters. You see people, monks living in the Shaolin Temple. And the one thing that they will tell you is that your breath is connected, connected to, life. to life. It's not about the number. It's not about the time. It's about the number of breaths you take. Exactly. And they've all been very profound in breathing less. And when you look at a lot of researchers who are now researching breath work, and um, you get to know that the optimal ratio for breathing is about 5.5 breaths. If you want to increase your longevity, your health span, you know, you want to increase mitochondrial biodensity, you need to increase all these other organelles like peroxisomes and stuff. You have to breathe 5.5 times. So you inhale, and that inhale should be 5.5. Then you hold, and it's very difficult. I've still not been able to do it. And you hold for about five seconds, and then you exhale for 5.5 seconds. That, in all, will give you 5.5 breaths per minute. And that's probably yeah, one I of the... I think when you have like all your, all your, like, um, your negative emotions, it increases your breath, right? Because yes. You, because then you tend to breathe faster and you get more anxious and you have more anxiety. And so I think, yeah, so lowering your breath. But this practice of rebirthing, I, I mean, which is why I don't recommend it like, on an everyday basis. But with, it can... With rebirthing, is there a way to breathe through a music instrument? Because I've, I've come across rebirthing practices with some ancient tribes where they somehow... Um, they're, I forget the name of this music instrument, but... It's a way that they have to continuously play the instrument and they have to kind of like inhale from their nose, exhale from their mouth, and at the same time inhale from their nose again. So it constantly is... Um, I'm sure there are. Like I haven't come across yeah. them because my knowledge is a bit, you know, 
I mean, like, I'm not a rebirthing breath practitioner. I've just practiced it myself. And I've, and I've attended a couple of courses with masters and I've had some profound experiences. But I found that uh, when I've had these experiences, they've always been like altering. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you can I'm access not, altered states exactly, very easily with this. Exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, once in a while, it's, you know, when you're caught up in your everyday life routine and you just kind of want to have that, you know, experience, it's always been profound for me, I found. Mm-hmm. But I don't do it often. I'll do it like once a week. But otherwise, I'd, you know, I'd focus on more uh, of calm breathing and, you know, slow breathing and try to expand my breath and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. <laughs> um, also, we were speaking about the energy fields. Correct. And you said everything starts with a thought and that thought becomes an emotion. The emotion influences your energy levels uh-huh. and your energy or your chakras yeah. are located directly above the endocrine glands of the body. Mm-hmm. And basically what happens, your chakras correlate to the way you think and feel. So the moment you think in an imbalanced thought processes, your emotions, like for example, if you have wake up in the morning and have the thought that I'm going to lose my job mm-hmm. and that thought generates fear right? Mm -hmm. That fear automatically creates an imbalance in your chakras or your flow of energy, okay? And with energy, we understand, you know, in Chinese, like in medicine, we have 72,000 meridians or channels, you know, of energy which flow all throughout, like the body. So what happens with your negative thoughts and emotions, these energies kind of get blocked or imbalanced. And eventually, if we don't resolve them, it affects the endocrine glands of the body because each each gland is located directly above the chakras. And so what does like, and what do the um, and what do the endocrine glands of the body do? They are responsible for producing hormones for the regulatory functioning of the body. So what ends up happening is that if we constantly hold on to that fear and anxiety, it automatically, what will it start to do? It'll, It'll trigger a cough or a headache or a cold or something that will then lead to a breakdown in the body. So that's how we understand. Very and worst quickly. case scenario, affect your fertility, exactly. affect your vision, I mean, like, yeah, blood sugar course. levels. Which is why we say you've got to resolve emotions. You, like, you have to resolve your issues at the level of your thoughts and emotions. Because once they manifest into reaching um, the body, they become more gross and dense. Yeah. And then it obviously becomes harder to mm. then resolve issues once they've reached that energy in the body. So, so that's basically how we understand the mind-body connection. And that's how we understand all of this psychos somatic illnesses mm-hmm. right that what is psycho it starts in the mind and then if if left unresolved it influences the body yeah and um, obviously a lot of uh, like researchers doctors today they all will um like endorse the mind body connection so sometimes if you are experiencing any illness and you go to the hospital they'll say oh it's you know it's it's because of stress you might run all the tests and the tests will be absolutely clear yeah but it's stress that's creating this imbalance in the body yeah so, so that's basically, you know, focusing a lot about how your thoughts are energy as well. Your emotions are energy as well. And then you have the auras and the chakras. It's the energy which uh, you project and you emanate. And so then how you do you have balance the these chakras? Because a lot of people listening to this have heard about chakras. If you've probably worked to a yoga class, you know about auras and chakras. Yeah. But the question is how you have, because it's very difficult for people to kind of consciously change their way of looking at things because your environment determines so much of your thought process like we mentioned earlier but let's say a person is stressed and you know they're having a hard day at work and they you know probably don't have a good relationship probably gonna get a divorce or things like this and in these situations it's very hard to like think straight Mm -hmm. but what is the way to 
then balance these chakras out. What is the way to move energy from the lower end to the upper end? How to move energy through all these marma points or this, um, like you said, the meridian points? Right. So I think, you know, it's, it's not a one-time um, solution, right? Okay. That's why we focus on a daily practice. Like, for example, if you want to have, uh, you know, a great body, you don't go to the gym once and expect you're going to get a yes. six-pack. It's not going to happen, right? It's a, pro- it's a process with time. So in a similar way with spirituality and the practices that we introduce, they need to be done on an everyday basis, just like you take a shower and you cleanse your outer body, right? What are you doing to cleanse your inner body on a daily basis? So tell us because something. Most what can we do? Of the debris that collects is because if you don't take a shower every day, what's going to end up happening? You're going to end yeah. up smelling. But that's exactly what's happening on the inside. So that reaction or that response to what ha- what's happening at work is simply a response based on the debris that's been collected over periods of time. Because we need to have a release. If we don't release it proactively, it will be released unproductively, which means we will react to people, we will release it out of anger, we'll release it out of stress, we'll, we will resort to smoking or unhealthy food because the body needs to release itself. Mm-hmm. So if you don't release it in a proactive way, so like I said earlier, for example, journaling your thoughts is an excellent practice because you're removing, you're cleaning out the debris from your thought processes and people find it hard to meditate. But people can easily write because mm-hmm. writing is a subconscious activity and automatically clears the mind. Yeah. Number two, breath work. Okay. okay. Uh, number three, a meditation practice, which is why I say a few minutes because I don't like overwhelming people. Yeah. Of Most course, of the people are not going to sit not, for 20 exactly, minutes. Exactly. Exactly. So when you put that pressure on people, automatically it gets yeah. shut down that I'm not going to do it. And yeah. I've seen that with all our clients. So let's not aim for like Mount Everest on day one. Let's yeah. just, you know, climb slowly and reach that stage, you know, as and when we build. So I would say a daily Spiritual ritual is really important. And then again, spending time with nature. Like you always notice when you spend time on the beach or in the sunlight, it's just so easy and it's so effective that people don't do it enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be an excellent practice maybe once or twice a week. Um, and just, and, and you know, these are small things that can actually help. And but if you kind of have a ritual on a daily basis, even yeah. for 10 or 20 minutes, automatically, just as you go to the gym and you come out and you feel so amazing, mm-hmm. eventually you'll end up feeling so amazing every day internally as well, mm-hmm. right? And it's about reading the right kind of books. Also, the kind of company that you keep, right? Yeah. Because, or the kind of work that you do. And I think all of this will happen the more you start to care for yourself, the more you start to reflect. The more you start to reflect, the more you start to listen to your thoughts. The more you start to listen to your thoughts, automatically it's an effect where you start to question whether something feels good for you or not good for you. And then automatically, you might just one day wake up and decide, you know, I don't want to be in this job anymore. I'm ready for the next step in my life. And then suddenly you're manifesting new people in your life. You're having new experiences. You're going on new travel journeys. And all of that is your life, really, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel it's like spirituality today is not about extremes. You know, people think I have to be a vegan or I have to, you know, just, you know, I have to escape. Go to the temple most of the times. It's it's not that. It's just about higher wisdom. You're like, you don't have to give up your material aspirations. Mm-hmm. You just need to find a way to balance them with really understanding the intention that's driving those aspirations. Yeah. It's all about intention, right? If that intention is coming from a space of love or is it coming from a space of fear, right? right? And you know that based on how you react and how you respond in that moment, right? So you've got to reflect back in yourself and check in. That's why self-checking is part of self-care, which is part of self-love. So it's kind of like, it's very easy practices that people, yeah. that you can do every day. You don't have to have... Uh, I mean, like a degree in clinical hypnotherapy, or you don't have to have 
so much information and knowledge like you do have on meditation and wellness. Yeah. It's just about really applying simple techniques that can work for you. I like your point about going and experiencing nature or being in nature. Now in a metropolitan city like Dubai, we don't have so much of nature around. Like we have parks and stuff. But the idea of going outside and reconnecting, my favorite way, and for my listeners, they already know, is going to the beach and walking barefoot. Also because what it allows you to do right. is, yeah, it allows you to ground. It, your body has a bioenergetical field. And the Earth's crust has something called as negative electrons. Right. And every time you walk it's like your earthing. feet, yes, you walk your feet or you pro tip is if you can get into a body of water, which already has a current, which already has an energy field, your body's energy field increases, then combined with the salt, magnesium, that is also yeah. conducive of electricity. So you can go for a swim on the beach, that's the best. If you can walk with Correct. your feet on the beach, it will also impact your bioenergy fields. Correct. And give you all those negative electrons. Now, what do one of the other reasons why this is important is because when we're very disconnected from the nature or when we are in times of stress where, like you mentioned, our endocrine glands are secreting all these glucocorticoid hormones, cortisol, things like that. We, our cells, electrochemical gradient changes. So we are designed to run between every cell in our body is designed to run between minus 20 and minus 25 milliwatts. And you will see, if you have a voltmeter and you see people who are sick or are stressed or have some kind of a disease, their body moves from minus 25 all the way to like 10, one. So it goes more on the positive side. Oh wow. Yeah, the inside of the cell is always negative and the outside of the cell is always positive. The problem starts happening when the inside of the cell becomes positive. And when you are doing all of these healing practices, and there's been, because there have been so many people in the world who have done healing practices and equipped themselves with a voltmeter to check mm -hmm. their body temperature or their cells' um, electromagnetic gradient falls under minus 50 milliwatts. That's the voltage for healing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you can give yourselves minus 50 milliwatts, that's going to accelerate your healing process. This right. is what people have found. 100%. And one of the ways to do that is by walking bare feet on, on the grass or... And that's why beach. we love going on holiday, right? So whenever yes. I go on holiday, I eat whatever I want to. Okay, I don't think about what I eat. In fact, when I'm here in Dubai, I diet. I have a clean eating strategy. I do a lot of practices. But the moment I'm on holiday, I don't think about anything. But I'm just on the beach every day. I'm in the water and I'm enjoying myself. I come back and people always tell me, oh my God, you look so amazing. And yeah. when I'm actually doing the practices on a daily basis, people don't tell me that. They're like, oh, you look tired, you know? It's because also location has a lot of energy. Yeah. And what happens is every time you change your location from one place to the other, that specific location, location Correct. smell, it brings in a certain form of energy. energy. True. And then, I, I completely agree with this, which is why I endorse take as many holidays as possible. Take as many <laughs> holidays as possible or else if you want to change your mood to be a certain way or you want to reinforce a specific habit, change that location. Because if you're, let's say you were talking about journaling. Yeah. Now, if an environment like your office prevents you from doing it because you have pre-existing conceptions you can't heal from the same place that made exactly you sick. so yeah. go to a coffee shop you yeah. know walk into a coffee shop maybe it's a, your way at work or like coming back from work get a tea or a decaf coffee and make sure you take your journal there do your journaling practices there because exactly. this place will be completely different and will not come with the preconception of stress or stress elevating hormones the next thing like you said 
vacation because you actually change your lenses and you allow yourself more love and compassion and like take a break because think about it right you're let's say you were dieting and you're stressing out and you have all this work and assignments to do and then you catch on a flight and then you get to this new place and now everything changes you allow yourself more space you're you know more friendlier with people but what has really changed nothing you are the same person and god forbid i hope this never happens to everyone but if you get a call in your vacation when you're in the vacation lens and someone tells you there has been a serious problem at your office or something urgent needs to be sorted automatically your lenses change and then you become the same old serious person and a way to biohack this is if in your regular life you can i mean it comes with a lot like intention you said you've got to change your energy field and you have to tell yourself okay you know what i'm done with this job now i'm going to put on my vacation lenses and you start seeing things from the vacation lens, yeah. imagining you as you a person. You can channelize that yes. energy into your daily life. So you don't exactly. have to run away from a life or, or like think you have to escape to feel that. And especially because yeah. a lot of people don't have the liberty or travel. the luxury to travel. But again, traveling would be like Sonia mentioned earlier, traveling would be something that you might look outside of you. But you can already create these emotions, like, you know, whether it's by visualization, whether it's by doing things that you would do then. But you can kind of like bring in this future energy into yeah. yourself right now. And that would at least, you know, if not eliminate all of your problems, it will give you a stable mindset yeah. for those certain hours that you, because we don't always want to have the vacation lenses, right? Yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got, you know, you, you have different parts of your brain, which one is creative, one is a risk taker, one is, uh, you know, an adventure person. Yeah. So you have to balance all of that out. You don't want to be on a holiday mode all the time. Yeah. When it's yeah. go time for work, you yeah, have to yeah, put on exactly. that lens. Exactly. So, so yeah, that's very interesting. And also... That's great. I'm learning so much from you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting chat. Actually, you know, we've been talking. I haven't even seen the time. I have no clue what time is going on right now. But... Um, you definitely make a great teacher and a practitioner. Maybe you should teach at Illumination. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about that sometime. Um, but also, your emotions, right? your heart your emotions the way you think very important thing that you brought up also creates a field of energy harvard did a study in 2006 where they figured out that the the heart's electromagnetic field is you know you can feel you can feel it like another person can feel your heart's electromagnetic well, field. Heart Institute? Was it the heart Institute? It was Harvard and the heart Institute. So yeah. HeartMath have been doing a lot of experiments after they've got this information. Correct. So they've linked everyone up, and you know they're yeah, yeah. testing for heart rate variabilities. They're doing these global meditation and seeing how much of peace increases throughout the world. And yeah, there's actually a documentary called the power of the heart which i recommend everybody to watch okay so the power of the heart everyone the power of the heart it's amazing and it's exactly what you're talking about okay so go on yeah i want to know so um so we were talking about the heart's electromagnetic field and they discovered that the heart's electromagnetic field can reach up to six and a half feet they also know that it turns a slight extra information but like it turns slightly towards the left and this is the reason why i want everyone to realize when you walk into a room and let's say there are only two people or like one person and you don't know that person, you, you don't even have enough information to judge that person, you will feel a strong presence if their energy is very strong, yes. whether it's positive or negative. And this also brings us to the idea that if 
just coming into a room and being next to a person can influence your or their energy fields. How much energy fields can you affect in your day-to-day -day lifestyle? Because you're going to be much more closer to people in your work life, in your, you know, when you're going out shopping and things like that. So it's very important for people to realize that you have the power to yeah. kind of affect a person's reality. 100%. Even other things like which can support this are mirror neurons, which are a part yeah. of our brain, which kind of they're designed to replicate a certain emotion or a certain feeling that a person is feeling. So ask yourself this question again. If someone can look at you and they, their brain goes through the same emotional experience as yours, today when you go outside, how many people are you going to smile to? Because every time you smile at someone, their inner brain smiles and this just keeps on continuing. Every time you are feeling a positive emotion, just because someone is not having that positive emotion doesn't mean that you have to change yourself because you have the power to affect and influence other people. Exactly. So if there is one thing that you have to take away from this podcast would be that, you know, when you're outside in any situation, even if the situation is stressful, be that catalyst or be that element of change where people can ride onto your energy and in like brain science and neuroscience we do this all the time like you you attach electrodes to your health you can go to like you can go to uh, alpha or theta or stuff like that but when you want to increase your brainwave state to something as fast as gamma brainwave frequency which is about 100 hertz you have to make other brainwaves so you don't uh, get it naturally your brainwaves have to ride on other brainwaves and this is how you can get to the peak of your experience Correct. in anything that you're doing, whether you're writing, whether you're meditating. If you can increase that brain voltage, yeah. and that can only happen by riding on some other brainwave frequencies. Correct. So just like that in life, the cyclical nature in life, you know, you and jump onto some other person's, right. you affect someone's emotion, you jump onto that, then someone jumps onto the other one, and then you keep on passing. Something like what you've done. Exactly. You've learned from a source, you brought them here, yeah. then you learned again, and now the cycle yeah. keeps on continuing of course i mean you know my teacher says you know um like the way to increase your happiness dose which is uh dopamine oxytocin serotonin and endorphins yeah i think he talks about um you know when you want to increase your dopamine you do something good for the environment when you want to increase your oxytocin you do something good in your relationships when you want to just something, hug a tree. <laughs> like exactly so each of these um like hormones have an action that you can do on a daily basis to increase your dose naturally just by, you know, doing for other people. It's like, you know, we feel so great when we give to another person and then mm. they feel so much happier. It's like, so I was, you know, I, um, like, in fact, I shared a Tony Robbins quote. It's like, you know, he says, happiness is not by what you get. It's by how much you give and how much you're able to contribute. And I think that relates to what you're talking about. And at the yeah. end of the day, I think all of us have something to contribute. We all have a healer within us. Yeah. And sometimes that healer is a musician. Sometimes that healer is an artist. Uh, sometimes that healer is a teacher. Sometimes yeah. that healer is a writer. So um, we all have a healing archetype, you know? And I think it's, it's like we all have that blueprint in our spiritual DNA that we call it. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the power to be able to influence another person and contribute to a more happier, healthier, and purposeful way of life for everybody. And I think if we can tap into that, by first feeling it for ourselves, so yeah. that happiness starts with you, because you can't give to someone what you don't have for yourself, yeah. right? And I think it, it all boils down to you, you know? It, it all's about, once you start to change yourself, automatically you'll start changing the world. Yeah, I like uh, something that you mentioned there, that you know, you have to kind of like, um, 
be in that state of giving. Because when you look at brain maps and neural networks in the brain, there is so much evidence right now that the part of the brain which is linked to generosity is also the part of the brain that is linked to happiness. So every time you are generous, and this would be counteracting to what if it's something that anyone would think, right? Yeah. How could you be more happy by giving away things? Yeah. You can only be happy by getting things in your life. Yeah. But reality is, and you can talk to, you know, spiritual masters or, you know, millionaires or, you know, just experience this from an anecdotal point in your own life. Every time you give something to someone when that person really needs it, and this doesn't have to be money. This could be like an advice, a guidance, whether you help someone, uh, you help someone with their homework, you help someone get ready for something, that automatically increases your happiness in your life. And it's very important because most of the times we're walking through life with the lens of like receiving things because uh, if I receive this money, I'm going to be happy. as well. It Let's does, not lie. <laughs> but that, that happiness set point... It's a pleasure. Yes, it it's gets not a reverse. Habit, you know, I think people, I think, have to differentiate what's pleasurable and what's happiness because me eating a chocolate cake it gives me a lot of happiness, but it doesn't give me happiness. It gives me pleasure. pleasure yeah. So I think people have, you know, uh, I mean, like they have a misconception between what is pleasure and what is happiness because all, all the things that are not good for us, you know, we feel so happy when we do them, right? Because... It, I mean, like, I mean, you can say from retail therapy to having that chocolate cake to watching all that Netflix. It's that's just pleasure. pleasure. It's yeah. pleasure, right? But we say, oh, that's happiness because a lot of people, but also it's I a blurred feel, line, right? Yeah. So. I also feel that chasing happiness is, could be good for you, but chasing pleasure at the same time is, isn't. Because every time you want to chase pleasure like you know like that chocolate you know you might gain weight and then yeah. you might fall sick but it's an 80 20 rule right yeah. you gotta put a bit of that pleasure in because life is all yeah about you have to <laughs> although it's not something that you should solely focus on like the 80 20 rule is perfect but a lot of people get caught up and then we start seeing brain disorders and things like this when you know you were you like smoking and then you start smoking so much and then you like gambling and then you lose all your money and then you know you're these I think things anything in excess and attached yes. the moment you become attached to something so if you eat the ice cream and enjoy the pleasure of the ice cream for what it is then it's great but what happens is that the moment you eat that ice cream it goes all into the subconscious dopamine, mind all that dopamine comes up exactly again. <laughs> and then the subconscious mind is like wow this feels great and now i want more of this and yeah. because the subconscious mind is six thousand times more powerful than the conscious mind the next day you're gravitating towards that same feeling so when you feel down again you that's your easy shortcut to again try and feel good but the more you do it, the more it becomes unhealthier for yourself. Yeah. So I think pleasure is great as long as attaching yourself to that yeah. pleasure. And I think awareness is the key, right? Because the moment you start to become awareness of who you are and what you're trying to actually do, you're not living life um, like unconsciously. Because they say if you live your life unconsciously, you think it's conscious and then you call that, okay, this is just how yeah, my life just, this is just fate, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you become more conscious, you can do better when you know better. Yeah. It also it, <laughs> it also doesn't help that two thirds of our tongue are dedicated to sensing something sweet. <laughs> I love your technical angle. I mean, it's my cute. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a that's a thing that I find with a lot of people that I talk to, and everyone's like, I can't give up sugar. And I'm like, I know because you're not designed to give up sugar. Two thirds of your um, tongue are meant to appreciate sugar, and when I appreciate, that means get addicted to sugar mm-hmm. because. Long back before we didn't have this agricultural revolution and things like that, one of the hardest things to find in nature were plain sugar. When I mean sugar, 
glucose molecules, carbohydrates. And this is one of the ways our brain is rewired itself. Like you mentioned, one of these neurochemistry, right? Dopamine, the act of doing, achieving something, the act of getting something, the act of smoking a cigarette, the act of getting into any pleasurable activity increases more dopamine. That I don't mean that you should all go do that, but if you have a checklist of things and every time you achieve something on the checklist, you also increase dopamine. And this dopamine is the reason why we do all these risk-taking activities. Like imagine in your the adrenaline, rush yeah, the adrenaline, the dopamine, the neoephrine. And what happens is every time you take this risk to go out of your way and getting something done, you tap into something called as a white matter, which is a part of a structure in your brain, which is almost, it's called the neural highway because it's got 160,000 kilometers worth of neural networks, which are all designed to make you feel like great at something. So let's say you won a race and then you did a risk-taking activity. So I always tell people like, one of the ways to accelerate your brain's performance is actually going out and taking safe risks. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't have to be those physical risks. It can be emotional risks. It could be intellectual risks. Right. And the more you do it, the more life satisfaction you get. And like things like checking things out of the, the checklist, yeah, things like that. Breaking out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Like, and you mentioned some other things like oxytocin. Go give someone a hug. You know, if you're a biohacker, then you have an internasal oxytocin spray. And then you can do that. You know, mm-hmm. you can get past the blood-brain barrier and go straight to the brain, uh, brain nerves. Oxytocin. Then you had um, serotonin, you said? Correct. Serotonin. Something so simple, like have something sweet. It will increase serotonin or just have some carbohydrates. It'll, it'll do the same or just sleep well. You know, if you're checking out being meditation, increase serotonin as well. Anything that makes you a bit happy, not pleasurable, but happy, can increase that. And now, Sonia, we could go on and on and on and we could make like a 10 episode podcast if we keep talking, but I want to respect your time and I know that you're very busy. Now, Let's end this podcast here. My question to you is, or one of my last questions is, if you had a time machine. Oh, God. <laughs> one of those questions. <laughs> if you could go back into your, to your younger self, right? What would be that one piece of advice that you would give yourself? What would be that one? Knowing all that you know right now. So it, could, it's, it doesn't have to be about spirituality. It could be about relationships. It could be about you know, thinking about, you know, making, doing this online thing earlier, you know, it could be about anything. But what would be that one piece of advice that you might give yourself? I think that, you know, you are love. I think, I, you know, I just think it comes down to completely loving yourself for who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that obviously if I can go on like as a lecture, but I would say just your good enough as you are because okay. from my personal life experiences and everyone has had their own thing uh sometimes we feel that we need to be someone mm-hmm. or we need to achieve something Constant or we need to acquire something yeah. uh to be you know like to at the end of the day love ourselves more yeah. you know to prove our worth and our value uh and i think that we live in a society that tells us our value is determined by how other people accept us you know but i think the, the, you know, the lessons and the learning that I would give myself is the value is that you derive from your own self, not by anything that you achieve or acquire, just by being who you are, authentic okay. to who you are. And, 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 and that's as simple and profound 
because I think one of the greatest uh, problems that people face in their life is not loving themselves enough. Not, mm-hmm. And then, of course, it can come to lack of self-belief, lack of self-esteem. It extends to many different things, right? Yeah, but it all starts with love. It, it all completely starts with completely loving yourself uh-huh. unconditionally for who you are. Yes, you're, nobody's perfect or, you know, people talk about meant the to body be perfect, image. Yeah. Exactly. But it's about just unconditionally loving, accepting yourself, who you are, because you might not get it from your family, uh, you know, Um, um, like your mother. You might not get it in the way you want it from your father. You might not get it in your relationships. You might not get it in your work uh, because you're looking for something that's not outside. It's completely within yourself. And you're so completely full of that. It's just that that I would tell myself. Mm -hmm. So everything in my life would have been a lot different if i had this knowledge and awareness when i was like five years old wow amazing now it's, it's very difficult to have that awareness when you're it's, five it's years old because like um it's not as you know oh my god as profound but it's yeah. so it's so profound yet at the same yeah. time yeah now anyone who's listening to this please take that advice and get to know that you're special love yourself and also every time you express love you go towards a higher emotion in that electromagnetic signal that we spoke about love kindness doing something generosity these are all positive ends of the spectrum and the more positive your emotions are i'm sure your chakras get balanced you know your energy improves your energy your heart just radiates it gets into a coherent manner and in your brain the act of doing something but full of love wires your neurons to do the same again. So we say that neurons that fire together, wire together, fire together. So make those neurons wire together and fire in absolute love. This is CJ signing out from this special episode of the Ship with CJ podcast with Sonia. Guys, I hope you have a wonderful day, a thank week, so a lifetime ahead of you. And thank you, Sonia. Thank you. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.